Let's look in our Bibles this evening to the book of 1 John to chapter 4. The book of 1 John and then chapter 4. And there we'll read verses 7 through verse 10. Let's have a word of prayer to begin. Father, thank you again for this day. Again, we thank you for each blessing of it. We're thankful we are able to be here this evening to worship you and to study your word. We pray that you would help us as we open the scriptures. Again, we're thankful for the great teachings that we find there. We pray that you would help us to be learners, students of your word. Again, we ask for your blessings upon our church and upon each individual members of it. We pray for all of your churches. We ask you to bless each one. Thank you again for our Savior. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice he made on our behalf. Again, we're thankful that in and through him we have the forgiveness of all of our sins. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Our subject is love defined. Love defined, and it is defined in this passage of Scripture. I've mentioned to you before that if 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter of the Bible. I would think the book of 1 John would be the love book of the Bible. This book is filled with teachings concerning the matter of love. It's a very short book, only five chapters. There's only 105 verses in the book. But love is mentioned 46 times in the book of 1 John, 10 times in our reading this evening. If you'll notice with me verse 7, two important truths here I want to point out in verse 7. First of all, that love is of God, meaning that love... God is the source of love. You remember that little Greek word, ek, of. Love is of God. And the second thing I would point out is everyone that is born of God, uh, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Just consider that statement, if you would, in the latter part of verse 7. Everyone that loveth, is born of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. I'll also mention in verse 8, God 
is love. Then in verse 9, the manifestation of the love of God. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, herein is love. And it's defined for us here. Herein is love. And you might notice that you have a negative statement and then two positive statements. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, when, you, when love is defined here first, there's things that are ruled out. Not that we love God, but there's the contrast. But that he loved us. Herein is love. He loved us. The manifestation is set forth again and sent, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Hold your place if you would. I'm going to go to Matthew in chapter 22. In Matthew and in chapter 22, here I'll read verse 35 through verse 40. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's important, important to notice here about what Jesus says about the law. The law of God demands love. This is a command. There's two commands here. Two times Jesus stated, once in verse 37, once in verse 39, Thou shalt. That is a command of God. You think about the Ten Commandments given at Sinai, recorded in Exodus 20. And you have shouts and shalt not, and those are commands. The law commands love, but the law is powerless to produce love. But it does command love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Verse 39, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Again, we were commanded to love, but by nature we did not love, nor could we love. 
These are important things to consider about the matter of love. Since the fall of Adam, man has been void of the type love that is mentioned in our text in 1 John 4 and also here. James wrote in the book of James, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. There was no love in us. Paul wrote, the carnal mind is enmity against God. There was no love for God. Again, the law commands love, but it cannot produce love. People remain unloving as well as they remain unlovable until the Holy Spirit of God regenerates and converts them. They are void of love. The Holy Spirit of God accomplishes in the elect of God what the law could never do. The law could never produce love in an individual, but the Holy Spirit of God does. Love, because of the working of the Holy Spirit, becomes the distinguishing characteristic or, or it just distinguishes the people of God, the true people of God. Love is the main thing that distinguishes the regenerate individual from unbelievers. It's a matter of love. Look in the book of John, if you would. In the book of John and in chapter 13, and I'm going to read verse 34 and verse 35. In John chapter 13 and in verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Notice, again, a command concerning love. Verse 35, by this, by this matter of love, shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you love one another. Just by that one thing. Just by that one thing. It's not by anything we say. It's not by what church we're a member of, what doctrine we hold to. The matter of love. Jesus said that's what distinguishes us. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. I'm going back to the book of 1 John, this time to chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3 and in verse 14, John wrote, We know that we have passed from death unto life. How? Because we love the brethren. You and I might have come up with many other reasons for saying we know we have passed from death to life, but the Holy Spirit had John to pen these words. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Notice how love distinguishes. 
In our text in chapter 4 of 1 John, again in verse, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. Verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Again, love is what makes the difference here. Look over to verse 16 of the same chapter. And we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. The matter of love, I think, is far more important than we might realize without a study of the Word of God. Remember the words of Jesus as we read in Matthew chapter 22. First, we are to love, love God with all of our hearts, all of our being. and We are to love others as ourselves. Notice 1 John chapter 5 and in verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, we just love the people of God. We love saved people. Everyone that loveth him that begat, that is God, Loveth him also that is begotten of him. Back in chapter 4 and in verse 10, John gives us a very important lesson concerning love. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. I'll stop there. I was surprised there, there are many, it seems like, that interpret the wording here of verse 10 to mean not that we love God first. It says here, not that we love God, but some say the meaning of that is not that we love God first. Now, while that is true, and that's stated in verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. But that is not what is taught in verse 10. Not that we love God. The truth is we did not love God. By nature, we love sin. We love self. We love all of the things in this world that appeal to the Adamic nature. But we did not love God. The unbeliever may say that they love God, but their heart will betray their profession, their conduct in the world, even their speech will just betray them, make them out liars. Only those who are born of God have this love. Look at verse 10 again. Herein is love. 
not that we love God. If you want to get a clear and true picture of this love, you cannot even look at the love that you and I have for God. That's not a true picture of this love. How weak, imperfect our love is for God. None of us love God as we ought to love God. Verse 8, we're told there that God is love. We're told the same in verse 16. Be turning to the book of Galatians to chapter 5. Keeping in mind God is love. In Galatians and in chapter 5 and I'll get to it here in a minute. Galatians and in chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll point out once again, the fruit is singular here. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is made up of what is listed here. That's important because you do not get these things by piecemeal. You, it's all at once. It's one group. cannot be divided up. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In studying the scripture, things that are first mentioned are important. Anytime you have a list of things, what's mentioned first is important. Here you'll notice love is mentioned first. You know, you buy something at the store, whatever it may be, and you look at the contents, the ingredients, what's mentioned first is what's the most in that thing, whatever it is, what's mentioned first. It's interesting to me that in the fruit of the Spirit, love is mentioned even before faith. The fruit of the Spirit. Consider again, God is love. We have love because we have been given love as the fruit of the Spirit. We have love, but God is love. It's a big difference. A big difference. God is love. And God is the eternal source of love. Back in our reading in 1 John 4 and in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love. And everyone that loveth is born of God. Consider, if you're not born of God, you don't know this love. You don't have this love. This love is foreign to every unbeliever. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 
Now, the unbeliever can have that phileo love, it's brotherly love, but this agape love is reserved for God and true believers, those who, who have the Spirit. They have the fruit of the Spirit. Now, since God is the source of all love, love is of God. Since love comes from God, God being the source, our love for God adds nothing to God at all. If it did, God would be mutable and changeable. Our love for God does not improve God, does not uh, add anything to, uh, to God. Our love for God is simply a very poor reflection of God's love for us. You want to look at love, it's that God loved us. God loved us. Look at verse 10 of our text again. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. You want to look at the height of love, the greatness of love? You want love defined. You do not look at our love for God. You look at God's love for us. Just notice the wording there. He loved us. He loved us. The infinite loving the finite is an amazing thing. It's just an amazing thing. The holy loving the unholy. The pure loving the impure. God loving man. It is truly staggering when you consider the words there in verse 10. He loved us. He loved us. The one who is so great, even the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. The all-sufficient, self-existing, great I am, Jehovah God, loved us. That ought to just humble every one of us, that God loves us. Look in Ephesians, if you would. In Ephesians and in chapter 2, just considering he loved us, why he would even tolerate us is a mystery in and of itself. Why God would even put up with us, tolerate us, much less love us. Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin. What an amazing love. We have no idea of the depth, the breadth, and the height of the love of God. It's just greater than human comprehension. 
his great love wherewith he loved us. And the Spirit had these words penned, even when, even when we were dead in sin. You'll consider there, I'm sure, that God's love is eternal, everlasting love, has no beginning. Therefore, even when we were dead in sin, even when we were dead in sins, God loved us with this eternal, everlasting, saving love. He loved us with electing love. There's so much love in God's divine election of grace. He loved us. Chose us in his son, Jesus Christ. As I was thinking along this line, I could not help but think of the words recorded in Psalms 8 and in verse 4. What is man that God's even mindful of us? God's even mindful of us. The driveway out here, a fire ain't here. I went out there and put some poison around the fire ain't hill, and I didn't mean to, but I disturbed the hill. You've all seen that. You've done it. You've noticed how many ants come out. Just all of a sudden, ants. Thousands, maybe millions. I don't know how many ants are there. But you've seen the fire ants, how they'll cover a fire ant hill if the hill is disturbed. Consider how insignificant just one of those ants. How insignificant just one ant is. Then if you consider the vastness of God's creation, the universe that we're still discovering and we'll never know it all. And you consider in all of that the smallness of our planet, one of the smallest things in the universe. And then you have the people up on this little speck of dirt called earth. On this earth, 8 billion people. Again, that's a number that just goes beyond my real understanding. That's 8,000 million. I mean, you'd put a 8 and then 9 zeros. You're 1. Think how insignificant we are on this little planet Earth. Out of all those people, we're just one. We're so insignificant. I think we're less significant than that one ant is on an anthill. But God loved us individually, chose us individually, sent his son to die for us individually. The statement in 1 John, again in chapter 4 and in verse 10, he loved us. He loved us. Again, that he's mindful of us is a miracle of grace 
that he loved us goes beyond even that. He loved us. But it goes beyond this in our text. It's not only that he loved us. Notice in verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. He didn't just love us, he manifested that love. I don't know of any love that's not manifested. If you love someone, you'll manifest that love. You'll display that love in some way or another. God did manifest his love toward us. Notice verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. But it's more than that. Look at verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There's two things that stated here. In verse 9, that we might live through him. In verse 10, to be the propitiation for our sins. These two things go hand in hand. He states two reasons here for God sending his son. God sending his son was the manifestation of his love toward us. But he sent his son in verse 9 that we might live through him. And in verse 10 to be the propitiation for our sins. Now again, these two things go hand in hand. One of these is necessary for the other. You won't have one without the other. That we might live through him to be the propitiation for our sins. In order for anyone to have the life that is mentioned in the latter part of verse 10, it is necessary for their sins to be atoned for. It is necessary that divine justice be satisfied. It's necessary in the latter part of verse 10 for to, be, to have this propitiation, this satisfaction of divine justice. You cannot have the life through him without sin being taken care of. Those wages will be it's important for us to understand this I think as we consider love in verse 10 this propitiation required the sacrifice of Jesus Christ it required his shed blood it required his death but the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ him satisfying divine justice, that is not the cause of God's love for us. It's the result or the manifestation of God's love toward us. 
he loved us. Because he loved us, he sent his only begotten son into the world. He sent him into the world that we might live through him. And in verse 10, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He is our Savior, our Redeemer. Again, this is just a short lesson on love, but there's so much here. The importance of love. Let's 